Right, miu yum, miu yum, cho onum, and mokium to full circle. Your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin. This is occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we jump into the fun drive and help do our part for KPFA. And of course, while we do that, we will continue to keep our eyes and ears on Palestine. On tonight's show, we'll hear from a recent teach-in on Gaza held in Brentwood, California, including personal testimony from a displaced Palestinian. Also at the teach-in was a representative from Jewish Voice for Peace. We'll hear how one Jewish person came to realize there needs to be a free Palestine. And a third speaker from the event is a Japanese-American faith leader who details how his family was forced into prison camps here in the United States during World War II, and he'll connect that to the Palestinian struggle today. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freebone Franklin, coming to you today from Pitt River Territory. This is known as Isawi. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, Miu Yum, Miu Yum, and Notion Lovic, my heart is full. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we are in the midst of the winter fun drive. And I want to remind you all how important this station is to our communities. And keeping with the theme of keeping our eyes and ears on Palestine, if you are a regular KPFA listener or Full Circle listener, you know that the current conflict in Palestine did not begin on October 7th. You may have heard the term Balfour Declaration when the British government announced its support for a national home for the Jewish people in 1917. You've heard the term Nakba, which means catastrophe in Arabic, referring to the mass displacement of Palestinians during the 1948 expulsion. You've heard Jewish voices for peace on Full Circle and KPFA's airwaves, making it clear that criticism of the actions of the state of Israel does not equal anti-Semitism. All that and, of course, so much more we have learned together And I say we because I'm with you. KPFA has sent me on a journey of obtaining knowledge along with you. So tonight, as we make our way through the show, please, if you feel moved to donate by something you hear tonight or even something you have heard in the past, please donate by going to kpfa.org. And if you would like to call in and make a donation, you could do that anytime by dialing 1-800-439-5732. And the easy way to remember that is 1-800-HEY-KPFA. 
And again, I'm with you there. I donate every fund drive. And I also have a small amount um, taken out of my bank account, which I donate every month automatically. You can also become a sustainer as well. But let me get into the show tonight because I have some great testimony for you all to kick off the show. Last Sunday in Brentwood, California in Contra Costa, Contra Costa for Palestine organized a teach-in on Gaza. It was held at Adams Middle School, ironically located at the intersection of Balfour Road and American Avenue. Speakers included Reverend Michael Yoshi and Judy Grayboys of Jewish Voice for Peace, as well as members of the Palestinian community. First, we're going to start with Reverend Michael Yoshi. Reverend Yoshi is a pastor in the United Methodist Church, and he draws connections to what's happening in Gaza and what happened to Japanese Americans in World War II when they were locked up in prison camps throughout the country. Check it out on KPFA. As uh, Brother Farid has mentioned, uh, I, I come from a Japanese-American uh, background. Uh, my family, um, my father's family was from West Oakland. They had um, a restaurant uh, in West Oakland, corner of West Grand and San Pablo, uh, and they lost that restaurant uh, during the war. Uh, because of Executive Order 9066. In fact, Executive Order 9066, which was issued by President Roosevelt ordering all Japanese Americans to mass incarceration, took place on February 19th, which will be tomorrow. And so uh, Japanese American communities are commemorating Executive Order as a Remembrance Day around the Bay Area. In fact, yesterday uh, I was in San Francisco where we had a gathering in Japantown, San Francisco, at the Kabuki Theater where I had the privilege of speaking there. And we made a clear effort to um, have a program that was in solidarity with Palestinians and understanding our history as being part and parcel of a larger history uh, of where people become victimized by, uh, by warfare that goes on around the world. Um, my mother's family was from Fresno. They had a farm. And uh, my grandfather and grandmother lost that farm as they were sent to Jerome, Arkansas, uh, as a result of Executive Order 9066. And uh, what we talked about yesterday at the Day of Remembrance was the fact that in 1981, there were congressional hearings uh, as part of the Redress and Reparations Movement for Japanese Americans, which was initiated in Congress to set up hearings around the country where Japanese Americans were located. And I had the privilege at that time of participating in the hearings, uh, organizing people to come out and speak their truth, and uh, having the opportunity to testify, and then also hearing testimonies of others uh, was a life-changing event for me and for our community as well, because seven years later, Congress passed the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, apologizing to Japanese Americans for the abridgment of our civil rights and also um, monetary redress to those who had been incarcerated uh, during the war. I was born much later in 1952. Uh, people were rounded up in 1942 through the duration of the war in 1945. Uh, but when the uh, apology was issued, they also cited the three reasons according to their um, listening to all of the testimony, and that was that uh, there were three factors that they attributed to to the incarceration, and, and one was the pre-existing racism that existed prior to the war. 
that had been endemic in the community that my grandparents, my parents lived through and, and survived through. Um, the second was what they called wartime hysteria, that people were not thinking clearly and uh, there was not correct information going on. And so this led to um, the uh, draconian uh, executive order being issued. And thirdly, there was lack of political leadership. There was nobody to stand up for Japanese Americans or no one willing to stand up at that time. And so I've called this over the years the toxic triangle of race, war, and politics that our communities were victimized by and that when that act was um, uh, enacted in Congress, many of us in our community knew that there would be other situations coming along that we needed to understand where this toxic triangle would be the forces that victimize other people as well. So um, after 9-11 happened, for example, of course there was um, concern about those who were killed in the World Trade attacks. But at the same time, we understand in our country there are multiple narratives and that the underside of the narrative going on at that time that people in our community knew right away was that Arabs, Muslims, and South Asians were going to get targeted. There was going to be a new face of the enemy. Our community was the face of the enemy in World War II, but there was going to be a new face of the enemy, and people were going to be targeted, and that, in fact, happened. We know that that happened for those who were around at that time, and so Japanese Americans at that time came out very strongly to stand in solidarity with Arab, Muslim, and South Asian communities who were being targeted for deportation and vilification, and included in that that many people don't recognize and realize were Palestinian Americans as well at that time who were who were being uh, surveilled and being um, scrutinized. Um, and then a few years later, you may remember, if you're old enough, you may remember that there was a buildup to uh, invade Iraq. And at that particular time, many of us in the Japanese community were very much alarmed about that because we could see that this war on terrorism had grown into something that was becoming a tool uh, for political means. And that is, there was a agenda prior to 9-11 about going in for, quote, regime change into Iraq. And so Saddam Hussein was cast as the new enemy, as the new uh, terrorist of the month, uh, I might say. And so there was this accusation that he had weapons of mass destruction and that this uh, political agenda was being carried out under the aegis of the so-called war on terrorism. And we all know now through historical documentation that all that was false. But that was war propaganda to justify invading into Iraq, which resulted in the mass destruction of Israeli society and uh, the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people that we now in retrospect know that that was a misstep in America's foreign policy. But the buildup to that war was such that it was hard for Americans to say no to a war that people seem to have justified, except for those of us who uh, are, uh, have experienced the underside of history to say, wait a minute, this was not right. And of course, in the build-up to President Obama's election in 2008, where I think many of the folks uh, supporting him were calling for a pullout of Iraq. And that's a big portion of the people that elected him and uh, held him to that in terms of pulling out of Iraq. All of this to say that uh, what we've seen here in terms of the uh, documentation of the Nakba in 1948, 
is also about the vicious triangle of racism, of war, and politics. Because what happened in 1948, mind you, was just a few years after Japanese Americans were incarcerated in mass incarceration, but also released in, in 1945 after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki that ended the Pacific War. Uh, here you have a whole other situation of the forces of war and political opportunism uh, along with racism that uh, justified the taking of Palestinian land. And we saw documented there the, the destruction of 500 villages and uh, the displacement of 750,000 people as refugees and uh, also the killing of uh, upwards to 15,000 people at that particular time um, as the beginning of the Nakba as our Palestinian friends understand it. For us as Japanese Americans, where we remember, our day of remembrance is EO 9066, February 19th, uh, 1942, then we see the parallels to Palestinian communities who all over the world, and those in Palestine and even here, all have that collective memory of that history, that that is a day of remembrance in another respect, a day to remember because that's a key date in the history of the Palestinian people. And so for us, as we gathered yesterday, it was important for us to, to recognize that our historical narratives are joined together in some way in terms of the, the history of peoples and also the fact that histories often get erased and histories often get negated. That was the case for us as Japanese Americans. As we were fighting for redress and reparations in the early 80s, there were people who were saying, that didn't happen. That never happened to your people. And I've heard so many people also say, when they talk about the Nakba, oh, what are they talking about? That never happened, you know? And so that continues to be a struggle uh, for the narrative to be uh, both uh, told and also to be heard and to be understood as well as part of the linchpin of Palestinian history. And I believe as we came to this place here today, it's so significant that um, in the uh, documentary, it talked about the Balfour Declaration of 1917. And getting here, I'm taking the turn off, and I'm on Balfour Road. And then it intersects with American Way, the two colonial powers uh, that have stood to keep the Palestinian uh, lives entrenched you know, in occupation over the years. It's so ironic, isn't it? that there may be a need to rename those streets at some time in the future as you continue to go to city council here in Brentwood. Um, but that's some of my uh, perspective as a Japanese American and why many groups among Japanese Americans are uh, now calling for ceasefire in solidarity with Palestinians and understanding that the situation is one that's rooted in a war that's been an ongoing war since 1948 of the Nakba, and that this war needs to stop. And it's bigger than, although it's so devastating in Gaza, it includes all of Palestine, of East Jerusalem, of Palestine, and even the 48 borders where all of Palestine needs to be free. And that needs to be a non-starter in terms of the, the whole situation, the people's understanding of what's going on. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM and kpfa.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. 
and you just heard the voice of Reverend Michael Yoshi, and he was speaking at a teach-in on Gaza that was held last Sunday at Adams Middle School in Brentwood, California. And I'm really glad I was able to share that as part of Remembrance Day for Japanese Americans who were imprisoned by the United States in concentration camps around the country during World War II. And thank you, Reverend Michael Yoshi, for those words and connecting those dots for us. I have some more great voices from the teaching that I want to share tonight. But first, a quick reminder that we are in the middle of the Winter Fun Drive, where we ask you, our listeners, to support this important media outlet, KPFA, and this important network, the Pacifica Radio Network. Again, if you are a regular listener to KPFA, you know that we've been on top of the story of Palestine for decades, not just since October 7th. Myself here at Full Circle, I came into KPFA in 2005, and that's when I basically started being able to advocate and share what's happening to the Palestinian people on the airwaves myself here at KPFA. And if you have appreciated the work we have done on Full Circle over these past few months and years, please show your support for this show and KPFA by giving us a click right now at kpfa.org. Just a quick reminder of some of the work we've done here in the past few months on Full Circle. We've brought you sounds and videos from the West Coast March on Washington for Gaza held at the San Francisco Civic Center. We were at Block the Boat and brought you audio and video from there as thousands of people shut down the Port of Oakland for Gaza. We were recently at Travis Air Force Base with Code Pink and Youth for Palestine as they used their own bodies to block the road and the entrance to the military base. Of course, we reported on that here and posted videos on the First Voice Media Facebook page. If that work is important to you, and if that information is important to you, please, again, take this time to go to kpfa.org and make a secure donation online. And if you're still using the phone to donate, the number is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. And again, you can remember that as 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And just a quick reminder, there's lots of information on Palestine available for a donation tonight. A History of Modern Palestine, The Hundred-Year War on Palestine, Light in Gaza, Writings Born of Fire. All that is available to you. And you can get all three of those in the Focus on Palestine pack. Just head over to kpfa.org and check those out. I want to thank you all so much that have already called and those of you still on the line and online. Uh, we appreciate the support for this show, Full Circle, and for the work that we do. I'm going to continue on with the show now with some more audio from the teaching that was held at Adams Middle School in Brentwood, California this past Sunday. Coming up, we'll hear a short testimony by a displaced Palestinian and this displaced Palestinian was actually born outside of Palestine. So we'll hear testimony of one of my new friends, Iyas Satawi. After that, we'll hear a short interview I did with Judy Grayboys, 
She's a member of Jewish Voice for Peace, and she was one of the speakers at the teach-in. She's going to share some of her personal journey as a Jewish person that came to realize she needs to speak up and fight for a free Palestine. We'll be right back here on KPFA Full Circle. I'm going to just make it short and, uh, because, you know, you've heard enough about uh, the whole thing. I just am an example of a person. I mean, if you haven't never seen of those displaced Palestinians, here, I'm one. Um, I, um, I was born outside of Palestine, and it's been 49 years. My, I'm 49. <sighs> Let me say one thing. Uh, the first time I met my uncle was when I was 40. And when I went to Palestine, I met a bunch of people who I never saw before. These are my cousins. Um, so I'm not going to go about the aspect of everyone knows now, you know, the checkpoints, the uh, apartheid state, uh, people unable to go from a place to a place. It's from a personal perspective that um, we're shattered. We're like I have an uncle in Germany, cousins in the West Bank, friends in Gaza. It's so funny that not, not a lot of people even know that. We even have several IDs. So the West Bank has an ID. Gaza, they don't even have an ID. They have um, like um, a sort of different ID. Jerusalem has an ID. There are some people who live in the um, Jordan. They don't even have any connection anymore to the land. And the worst, these are the refugees in Lebanon, Syria. They have certain IDs that are given by the issuing state. For example, Lebanon gave them an ID that they can't even travel. So they can't go outside of the camp. The Lebanese government doesn't allow the Palestinians who live in the refugee camps in Lebanon to work in 70 types of jobs. So there's a huge chance that you would live your life in the refugee camp and you won't find a job. Uh, Syria is a little better towards the refugees. Um, I have my aunt who's married to somebody, uh, to a guy from Gaza. They live in Kuwait. He has this also different type of ID uh, that he can't leave Kuwait, basically. So he's stuck in Kuwait. So this situation, like people are getting to know more and more about, oh, Gaza is an open air prison. They can't leave. It's true, but it's not only Gaza. People who live in Kuwait, people who live in uh, um, Lebanon, Syria is a little better. Jordan has given them, um, given the Palestinians who fled um, the Jordanian nationality, so I'm one. And you know what that means? Even though if there is a settlement one day, I'm out. I'm considered to the rest of the world as a Jordanian national now because when whatever happened, happened. My father was, back then, when the West Bank was part of the, uh, the, um, the Kingdom of Jordan, he got the nationality. And that was, in my opinion, and a lot of people I would say agree, it's part of ethnically cleansing the Palestinians. Once you take them out to Jordan and give them a type of a nationality, you're not, you're not Palestinian anymore. And that's the whole idea of like making like Gaza inhabitable. So, and actually, was uh, one of the ministers said, "Oh, they can go to Scotland and England." So make it so bad that, and you know, you know what happens afterwards. The, uh, these Western nations will come. Oh, I'll take a couple hundred thousand Palestinians. Canada will say, oh, "I can take a couple hundred thousand Palestinians." 
and that's what they called the involuntary migration. So that was uh, one aspect of um, just as a just a person. Like I'm not going to talk about from the political aspect, just as a, as a person. Um, so um, yeah, I think uh, that's well, probably good insight from a perspective thank of a person. Much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And one day you. you will be back. Okay. Oh. Uh, thank you very much. Now we will be uh, having a few minute break uh, and uh, we will uh, continue looking for the custodian to see if we can do the second piece uh, uh, inside the auditorium or not. And thank you very much for your attention and we will be back in a few minutes. All right, Free Will and Franklin here. We were at a, a teach-in on Gaza and we were learning about what's going on over there and how we could better um, assist in bringing apart a permanent ceasefire and a free Palestine and uh, let you introduce yourself one of our participants from today uh, could have you introduce yourself and your uh, if you're connected to like a church or anything hi like my name is Judy Gray boys I'm actually here representing Jewish voice for peace today right, and um, tell us why it's important for you as a Jewish person to be able to come out and share a message that you believe there should be a ceasefire and a free Palestine? Well, I think it's important for people to know that there are Jews who are opposed to what's going on in Gaza right now, the genocide, the occupation of the uh, Palestine people, and um, just the state of Israel, that there are anti-Zionist Jews, and that it's important to convey the message that uh, anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism, Sorry, <laughs> anti-Semitism, and that's a tool that's used to keep people silent from criticizing Israel. And can you just kind of mention your personal journey, how you became a Jewish person that has chosen this path to speak out um, about what's happening in Gaza and Palestine, the West Bank? Yeah, it was a long journey. This is actually my first time speaking publicly, uh, especially representing JVP. I was sort of what they call a fellow traveler for a long time. Friends of mine were involved in the anti-Zionist movement. I would kind of tag along with them. And then in 2007, I saw the film Welcome to Hebron, which unfortunately is not that easy to see right now, but it was a really clear wake up to me about what Israel is actually doing in the Palestine, in the occupied territories, the West Bank, and how it is, it's an apartheid system. They, it, the Palestinians live under a level of oppression that is just really unfathomable that people in this country know little about the, the oppression that they live under, the economic oppression, the political oppression, the collective punishment, just all the, you know, Israel has been breaking international law in the West Bank for, for decades and decades. And now in this round, we see what's happening. It's, it's a, um, extremely brutal, massive people are dying. They're nearing 30,000 people, 15,000 children, thousands buried under the rubble. How do you see what's happening now as, um, how do you see what's happening now as this, as this brutal attack proceeds? Well, I see it as genocide. I see it as ethnic cleansing. Israeli, Israeli officials clearly stated after October 7th publicly on TV that they wanted to wipe Gaza off the face of the map, that they were going to make Gaza uninhabitable, that there are no innocent civilians, that Gazans are human animals. They publicly stated all this, so now everyone's surprised. Israelis are like, how can they say we're committing genocide? They clearly stated publicly the intent to commit genocide, and that's what they were doing. They're killing civilians, they're leveling hospitals, universities. They are, they are literally wiping Gaza off the face of the map. They want 
the Palestinian, they want the Palestinians to evacuate Gaza and Israel, and this has been their goal since, you know, 2008. They've been trying to, you know, commit genocide on Gaza. And um, ever since October 7th, they had the excuse to, to carry it out to an even greater extent. And then I guess I would just ask in these last question here is just um, what would be your words to anybody of the Jewish faith that is looking at what's happening and is still undecided? How would you what would you say to them to convince them to say, hey, you should really take a look at what's going on and um, come to this side, for lack of a better term? I'd say watch the movie The Occupation of the American Mind. Watch the movie Israelism. Read the book. The General's Son by Miko Peled. He is a former Zionist, grew up, his grandfather signed the Israeli Declaration of Independence. He came around to see that Israel is an apartheid colonial state. Uh, Ilan Pape, there's millions of Israeli historians, scholars who come to have come to believe that, you know, is, that Israel is an apartheid colonial state. And, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's all out there, right there on the Internet. All right. Well, thank you for coming out today, and thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you very much. All right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That voice you just heard was Judy Grayboys, and before that you heard one of my new friends, Ias Sartawi. Both of them were recorded at a teach-in on Gaza and Palestine held in the city of Brentwood, California last Sunday. And thank you to Eos and Judy. Also, a big shout out to Contra Costa for Palestine for helping to organize these events. You can follow Contra Costa, the number four Palestine on Instagram. And again, just a heads up, it's Contra Costa, the number four Palestine. Contra Costa for Palestine. And I want to give another big thank you. And I'm going to work on pronouncing his name, but Farid Kalafala. He has been the moderator for the teaching and these multiple teachings we've been having. And I usually end up cutting out his introductions most of the time, but they are filled with great insight, knowledge of the situation, and of course, compassion. Thank you, Brother Fareed, for that. I appreciate you and the work that you are doing. And I will be posting some of those videos, um, including your intros on First Voice Media on Facebook. A quick reminder that I have been posting these videos to what you've been hearing tonight on the First Voice Media Facebook page. And again, that's First Voice Media on Facebook. Head over there, check out the videos that we've been posting, and make sure you hit the like or the follow button for us. And now I'm going to take another quick moment to remind you that we are raising funds tonight for this important media outlet, KPFA. And I can guarantee you, it's the only radio station in the area where you're going to hear these voices. You'll hear Palestinian voices on other public media, but KPFA goes the extra mile, and you know it when you hear it. And a moment ago, you heard me mention my new friends. I have many new friends. Eos, Dr. Omer, Mushta, Sumeya, Rami, Nadia, Suzanne, all my friends from the Palestinian youth movement. Uh, from uh, Bay Area for Palestine, Noor. Um, I love these people, and yet I barely know them. And in really, in reality, I would give them all up if it meant that the reason I met them, this war, never happened. So again, 
if Gaza and Palestine were free and okay, I would have never met these beautiful people. I would give them all up, and I'm sure they would give me up too. But I have met them, and we are here at this moment in time, finding each other and collaborating. We're working together to help bring an end to the death and the destruction. So I appreciate you all, and I thank you all very much. And the way I get to share all this with you is the media outlet KPFA. KPFA has been my outlet along with social media. You all out there listening to this show or this station, we are collaborating as well. We are here sharing these stories and information and you share it with your friends and people you meet. All this wouldn't be possible without your financial support. KPFA is 90% listener funded. It's you. You keep us going. If you are able to continue that tradition, right now reaching 75 years, please make a donation tonight, right now, to KPFA. You can do that at kpfa.org. Just click on that Donate tab and make a secure donation. And right now, as we have been a couple times in the past, we are struggling as a radio station in the midst of this multimedia landscape. We need you now if we are going to continue into this next election season and beyond. Again, if you are able, head over to kpfa.org or call 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. You know, we're all out here, you know, living our lives, doing what we do. But some things get to me, regular things. One of them is when I'm just at home and I turn on my water and let it run to get hot. What do I think of? The Palestinians, they don't have water. They're struggling for clean water. People are dying, literally dying because of no clean water. Yet here we just turn it on. Or we might enjoy a great meal. People in Palestine are eating leaves or not eating at all. And when the aid truck comes, they're being shot at by the military, the Israeli military. People were killed just the other day trying to reach a food truck. So, again, I want to thank you all for donating tonight. I really appreciate the support. We really appreciate the support. We believe in this work. It's important. And that sharing these voices is part of our commitment to you, our listeners. So again, thank you very much. And I'm going to play this last clip that I gathered during the recent teaching in Brentwood. Coming up next, this is Dr. Omer Alam. He works at the Kaiser in Antioch as well as the Kaiser in Walnut Creek. This is what he had to say about what's happening in Gaza to the healthcare workers as well as his own personal experiences working in the medical field. All right, Free Will and Franklin, we're here in Brentwood at Adams Middle School, and we just wrapped up another teaching on Gaza and Palestine. And I got uh, a guest here who recently spoke at the Antioch City Council. Let me have you introduce yourself and where you work and what you do. Hi, uh, hey, hi Franklin. My name is Omer Alam. I'm a physician at Kaiser Antioch. Uh, I work at the Antioch Medical Center and the Walnut Creek Medical Center. And how are you connected to the Palestinian issue? Is just as a healthcare worker, I see you got a kafia on. Are you Palestinian or 
tell me about your connection. Yeah, so I'm not Palestinian. I originally uh, come from uh, India and Pakistan. Uh, I'm connected through it as a, as a Muslim. Uh, it is something, uh, Palestine is, uh, yeah, it's one of the third holiest sites in uh, Islam. And so I'm connected through it through faith and, uh, 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 and also through healthcare as well, because we know the humanitarian catastrophe that's unfolding in the region uh, and also the targeting of healthcare facilities, doctors, patients, uh, um, um, uh, and really the, uh, the devastation that we're seeing and witnessing firsthand. Well, as a healthcare worker, as a doctor or physician, let me ask you about that. Tell me about how you see the targeting of the hospitals lately, uh, the Nasser Hospital, probably like one of the last really functioning, if you, if you could even call it that at that time. Um, I know it's a, it's a war crime, it it's, doesn't happen. So tell me how you see the attacks on the hospitals and healthcare workers themselves. And if you know, uh, if you got any latest numbers on healthcare worker, um, being killed or wounded, that is not. Yeah, it's uh, as you mentioned, Franklin. It's a it's a humanitarian catastrophe and against international humanitarian law. Physicians, healthcare facilities, their patients are all protected under international law. This is a war crime. We know that none of the healthcare facilities were command centers. That was a false allegation that has not been uh, verified by any sort of independent parties, such as even New York Times said it was there was no evidence of a command center. So this is a it's a war crime and against humanitarian law. It's devastating. Um, I'd like to bring up the story of Dr. Hamam Alo, who was a nephrologist, a kidney specialist, and I specialize in kidneys. Uh, that's why this is very close to my heart as well, his story. Um, he said in one of his last interviews with Amy Goodman of Democracy Now! that uh, we are not animals. He did not spend 14 years of his uh, uh, training to um, leave his patients behind. You know, she, he was asked, like, why don't you leave the patient behind? He said, no. You know, every one of his patients des de deserves dignity and respect and to be treated like a human being. And he did not leave them behind. He truly is an example, like a hero to me. And all of the Palestinian healthcare workers are uh, um, examples and heroes of how I should be practicing my own medicine and how I take care of my patients. Um, these are individuals that I look up to. Um, and it's devastating to see... Um, um, uh, the, the catastrophe that's unfolding, which is wrong, uh, and against humanitarian international humanitarian law. Uh, also, when you spoke out at the Antioch City Council, you mentioned the story, I believe her name was Hin, the young girl that was trapped in the tank, the terrible um, story that we all heard. And um, part of that story is the targeting of the ambulance drivers. Talk about, um, you know, you could talk about a little bit about the story of what happened to Hin and then you know, how they also targeted rescue workers that came to save her when her life, you know, was still, when she was still alive. Yes, yeah. So Hind Rajab is a six-year-old Palestinian uh, girl. She was trapped alongside in a vehicle with the rest of her family. I believe it was her cousins and her aunt and uncle. Her cousins had called out to the Palestinian Red Crescent Society, uh, um, uh, healthcare uh, um, uh, workers, um, who's basically that's their ambulance system, that's their emergency aid services. Uh, and you can hear her cousins calling out for help during the time that there was a tank with uh, a machine gun fire right next to them firing at them. And as you were listening, you can hear the screams of her cousins in that video that is being shared. Um, and as her life is being snuffed out by the machine gun fire, there's also a call who remains on the call is Hind Rajab. Um, her, you know, she aspired to be a physician, a doctor. Um, she was trapped uh, in that car amongst the bodies of her um, 
of our family members um, for hours for uh, for you know I think a few days as well and ultimately um, the the rescue services that came to try to come and rescue her they were they got safe passage from the IDF forces but as they came closer they also came under tank fire so the two uh, uh, emergency service personnel who came to come and rescue her were also attacked too and you can see the tank the ambulance their car the tank tracks all of it that was documented online you can see exactly where the incident took place and then I guess I would just leave you with this um, tell folks why you think it's important for folks to sell um, to push for ceasefire resolutions, even in small municipalities like Antioch, Brentwood, Oakley? Why is it important that these small communities and their leaders uh, make a stand and take a position on this? So ceasefire is the basic level of humanity that we can express to our, our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Ceasefire is important. Ceasefire is, um, um, it means a huge, uh, it means it'll have a huge impact on our own uh, in our own human conscience as well. The struggle of Palestine uh, is interlinked with a lot of struggle of marginalized communities. If we are able to say and call out that this is wrong, if our elected officials have the courage, can gather up courage and say that this is wrong, and they can stand for black and brown people elsewhere, that means they care for black and brown people here in our society as well. My patients are on food stamps. My patients are unhoused. My patients um, uh, have difficulty securing some of their medicines, and they have to make a difficult decision between eating or, or getting their medicines at times. And they live in Antioch. I work in Antioch. I, um, uh, why is my tax dollars being sent um, uh, overseas and not being sent, uh, you know, where my patients are not going to see any, reap any benefits from this? But rather, the, that money, those tax dollars, is being sent somewhere that is not going to be benefiting us at all. In fact, it's actually making us look worse because we're supporting genocide. I'd rather much, much rather have that money supported towards our community, my patients, who ultimately uh, can help make better, healthy decisions for themselves, um, um, and lead healthier lives. Why also this is important, and really, again, it's putting the consciousness of our elected officials on uh, on record that. Where do they stand? It's been over 130 days. We have clear evidence of what's going on. And it's important for now to call for a ceasefire and take the next step. We have to join uh, our, uh, our fellow city in Hayward, for example. They took the next step of divestment, divesting out of companies that support you know, um, uh, uh, things such as genocide and uh, of black and brown communities. Obviously, if they don't care about black and brown communities overseas, Again, they're not going to care about it here. So we should also divest from those. Join Hay the City Council of Hayward, who also divested from these companies. It is nonviolent. It is safe. It is a peaceful way of uh, of, of really getting our point across, and you know, asking, uh, ultimately achieving peace here and abroad. All right. Can you remind folks who you are again? My name is Omer Alam. I am a kidney specialist at Kaiser Antioch and Walnut Creek. Um, all right. Thank you, uh, Dr. Omer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Please, you can call me Omer. All right. All right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. We are also on Facebook. Check us out at First Voice Media on Facebook. There you can see the videos um, of Dr. Omer as well as videos from all the interviews I've played during this show. 
And one short pitch for your donations before I get into my last clip tonight. If you're able to donate to this station, KPFA, please do so now at kpfa.org. And as usual, these days, we've been talking a lot about Palestine. And on our website, you'll find um, some new stuff that we've gathered that you can get for your donation, including the Modern History of Palestine by Ian Pape. Also available is the Hundred Years War on Palestine and Light in Gaza, Writings Born on Fire. All those are available on the website, as well as the Focus on Palestine pack. That would be all three of those. So if you can take a moment to donate to this station, head over to kpfa.org, click on that Donate tab, and you can search out those books or anything else you might want that's on the website. And if you would rather call the number, you can call 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. Again, you could remember that number by remembering 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Now, before I run out of time, I want to get to this last interview I recorded last week as we traveled with La Caravana. This was a group of folks organized by Celebration Nation and Somos, that's with an X at the beginning. They traveled from the border, the Mexican border, to Sacramento over a period of four days. Their mission was to bring attention to the plight of immigrants and farm workers who are seeking a path to citizenship after working in this country harvesting crops and other jobs for years. I caught up with Flora Martinez, one of the organizers. We were at the UFW 40-acre site in Delano, and we traveled to Delano that day from Bakersfield, and when we arrived there at the 40-acre site, there were hundreds of farm workers lined up, ready to receive free boots, free sombreros, and plenty of food, all organized by Flora Martinez and her organizations, Somos and Celebration Nation. Check this out on Full Circle. We'll be right back. My name is Flor Martinez Zaragoza. I am founder of Celebration Nation, which is an organization that distributed um, all the cool stuff to the farm workers. And I'm also part of Somos. Um, Somos is the group of advocates and activists that is has that started at the San Isidro border and is on their way to SAC. This is our third day. Uh, tomorrow's uh, we wrap it up in Sacramento. And today, right now, we're here at the 40 Acres, which is actually the home of the UFW. It was the first, there was a place they had the first meeting ever. And um, that's pretty iconic because we got to make a stop here on our first uh, caravan and first like mission as Somos. And so it's just really impactful seeing all the farm workers, but most importantly, like em educating them on what's happening, informing them, and empowering them. Right, showing them that there's people advocating for them, fighting for them, traveling across the state and eventually across the country to bring them a pathway to citizenship. And I love just seeing their faces. Well, let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about the caravan first, then we'll talk about this great uh, afternoon that we had. So what are the issues that you're dealing with and why you're doing this caravan and headed to Sacramento? What are you uh, trying to bring awareness to and achieve? Yeah, so the whole point of the caravana is to bring awareness to advancing technology that will potentially replace a lot of workers, including farm workers. And we're also bringing, bringing awareness to the solution, which is the registry bill, which is HR 1511 and Senate Bill S2606. 
which will provide millions of undocumented workers citizenship. And it's overdue. Uh, last time there was a, this type of immigration reform was in 1986. And now it's 2024, it's election year. There's a lot on the line um, for a lot of people, even DACA recipients. I'm a DACA recipient myself. I mean, if, if what's his name wins, you know, it, it, it's not, but it's not gonna be DACA. So there's a lot on the line. And so this bill, HR 1511, it's gonna bring alive a law that already exists. And that law, as I mentioned last time, it was updated, it was 1986. And now we're asking this, hey, update the year. Update the year so people can actually like apply because it's outdated. It's outdated. And then last time they, they had it was when millions got amnesty. So when's the next time? It's 38 years later and we're fed up. We even have undocumented youth that's fed up. And you know, we wanna utilize the power of social media and we encourage everybody to use the power of social media. To bring awareness so with this caravana yeah we we ex we we express the urgency with what's going on and why we need citizenship now more than ever but we also gave them a solution and we we told them hey look look up this bill get informed tell your community because this is how we're going to get it because how you create change is when bills turn into law and this is a bill that is so simple to pass there's literally no like loopholes or any type of like um, hidden agenda in there. It's so simple, it's the fastest way to legalize millions of people that have been waiting here for years, including our farm workers that break their backs every day. There's 70 year old farm workers out there that just want to go see their hometown in the other side of the border or that want to retire. They don't get social security. And then on top of it, all these people pay taxes. Um, talk about who would be eligible. So it would just be flat across the board. Everybody that's here gets citizenship or how does it work? So people would qualify if they've been here in the country for seven years or longer. And it would roll over every year. So let's say someone just got here yesterday, they'd be able to apply in seven years, which seven years is still a very long time. You know what I mean? But that's in that time, right? You can pay your taxes, have a clean record. Seven years, you can apply for citizenship. And then so everybody that's already been here for seven years, they can apply right away. But we need to pass this bill and make it a law because that's how we create change, just like I said. Definitely. And this beautiful day that we had today, talk about uh, the ride over from Bakersfield and then uh, what you experienced when you got here, that huge, massive crowd and what uh, transpired here. You gave away hats, boots, um, you know, sombrero hats for the sun, uh, boots. Talk about that as well. So how you felt all day and then what, what happened tonight? Yeah, so it was great, you know, waking up this morning, um, caravanning to Delano from Bakersfield. And we got here, there was hundreds, probably thousands of people waiting for us um, and put on by Celebration Nation. So it was a great collab between Celebration Nations and Somos. Uh, there was Boots, sponsored by Snow the Product, a Mexican rapper, and she's amazing. And then we also had sombreros, you know, this sun is really hurting our farm workers, and so a sombrero goes a long way. And they got clothes, they got food, they got to take home these huge boxes of groceries. And yeah, they also got to learn about the registry bill. They got to learn about the urgency. And then now I know they're probably having these conversations at home because we straight up told them, look, we've seen the technology, farm workers are gonna be replaced. It's gonna happen, it's already gonna happen. And then, I mean, there's more information where that's coming from. I mean, being part of the Celebration Nation and Somos, I mean, the middle ground is, I get exposed to like grants by EDD, EDD, like the, the EDD, the EDD. 
And then recently they were providing nine million to organizations that could train farm workers, educate them on simple English, math, uh, because they're not going to be able to work the fields anymore. And they were saying that it's because of the climate changes. They were saying that, you know, I don't know where they care now. And so we need to start getting our farm workers ready to have a different career path. And because, and they mentioned this part in the fine print, because of advancing technology. And so that was the last straw because I had already, I had, I'm in the Silicon Valley. I had already, it's exposed everywhere. I've seen the, I've seen the robots myself, but I was like, it's more of like, okay, well, when is this really going to roll out? And then just like that, this was two months ago, they were saying they're going to start giving funding in February. It's already February. And we didn't apply because, of course, they wanted people's information. So all the farm workers that we have access to, they wanted the information, and we just don't go there. But, you know, um, that's where I get the urgency because they already pretty much made it clear. And so we, we need our community to be informed. Let me just ask you how you felt when you saw the crowd when you got here. Did you feel like you accomplished something big today? You know what? This is literally four years in the making. I mean, Celebration Nation has been has been helping the farm worker community for four years now. And really, it's all about trust. It's all about trust. And it took four years. So when I saw the people here at such an iconic location, and this is our first time in Delano. So we have monthly distributions, 20 monthly distributions across the state of California every month. We're feeding over 20,000 people every month. And this was our first day in Delano. So when we saw the line, I was just really, really proud of how far we've come because it took a lot to get farmer, like farm workers out. They don't just come out for anybody. There has to be trust. Well, if people want to get involved with one of their organizations or learn more, tell us how they can connect with either one of the organizations that you talked about today. Yeah, so if you guys want to donate or learn more, how to volunteer, anything for Celebration Nation, you can go to celebration-nation.org. You can we're all, all over social media, Celebration Nation Org. Uh, if you want to get more involved in the advocacy space and get this bill passed, because we do need your support, you can go to at Somos with the X, Somos X in the beginning, Somos Poder del Pueblo, and you can find us on our socials as well. And then at somospoderdelpueblo.com. And maybe I can get one last question. I noticed your beautiful kafia that you're wearing. Tell me. Um, one thing I also noticed today was a lot of Palestinian flags flying in the caravan. Talk about uh, the importance of repping this at this time. Thank you for noticing. I think it's such an important time to just like stand for all people and definitely all indigenous people because at the end of the day, the farm workers are also indigenous people. And the struggle is very connected and we need to be aware of that. And in a way, it's just, uh, of course, free Palestine, free Palestine because this, we have to do our part. We have to do our part and we need to, everywhere we go, bring awareness to what's going on because that's, that's a huge injustice and it's, a, it's really painful to watch. And the only way to really feel at peace is to do something about it or, or stand up for them or be a voice to what's going on. That's, that's the, if, you, if you're trying to get sleep at night, that'll help. Definitely. All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight uh, on Full Circle, KPFA, Pacifica Radio. Uh, very proud of this work that you've done. It's a beautiful day. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of people, as you could see, you know, the volunteers, the whole Somos crew, the UFW Chavez Foundation, everybody. You know what I mean? Um, it takes a village. It takes el pueblo. And so we're out here and we're just getting started. Congratulations. Woo!
Thank you. All right, welcome back to Full Circle. I'm running out of time here. Uh, that was Flora Martinez of Celebration Nation and Somos. And a quick reminder, if you are able to donate tonight to this beautiful, great radio station, KPFA, please head over to kpfa.org right now um, before 8 o'clock hits so you can show your appreciation for this show, Full Circle, and the work that we do to bring you this information, to post those videos for you. Again, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-439-5732. Um, the easiest way to donate, though, of course, is kpfa.org. And while you're there, consider making a monthly donation. That's what I do. You'll be a sustainer, and that really helps us know what our income is every month. So if you want to become a sustainer like me, go ahead and, and do that. Um, but I'm running out of time here. Again, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or you could head to kpfa.org. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate all of you, all my new friends, everybody. Thank you so much. And that does bring us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show. Also, please like and follow First Voice Media on Facebook, where we post all of our videos and other material that doesn't always make it to the airwaves. And a shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M, the executive director, Joy Moore, she's our production consultant, and me, Freewell and Franklin, I have been your host tonight, and I'm also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone, and thank you.